0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, the live stream church services, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, called The Battle Is Not Yours.
1: All right, we're going to change it up this morning. We're moving to Second Chronicles And we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The battle is not yours. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm sure you've all probably noticed that we're in a battle. You may not have chosen the battle. You may not enjoy the battle. But nonetheless, we are in a battle. Sometimes the battle rages at different levels. But the battle is there nonetheless. And the question really becomes, how will you respond to it? One of the things that I'm trying to learn as a Christian is that the battle ultimately is not mine. It's God's. And if I will rely on the Lord's resources, if I will lean into Him in my times of struggle, whatever they may look like, whether you're going through an emotional struggle this morning, a spiritual struggle, a battle in your family, or just you're looking at the culture right now and wondering you know, if we're winning or losing the, the overall battle. I just will tell you, that we have to remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament letters in the uh, Bibles that we hold, and he said these words, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against the schemes of the devil." The call is to put on the full armor of God. And when you do that, you're putting on the power of God. You're acknowledging that you don't have the goods for the battle, but he does. Just imagine what you're doing when you're putting on the full armor of God. You're putting on all of God's resources for your life. Can it get any better than that? Can you have any more strength than that? How many of you remember the old chorus? And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. In Second Chronicles 20, we have a story about war. From uh, the perspective of uh, the book of Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles is where we are, chapter 20. And I just want to set the framework just for a second to tell you that 2 Chronicles is largely a story about the kings of Judah. At this point in our Bibles, what's happened is that uh, the chronicler uh, lays out the life of Solomon, the third king of Israel, all the way down to the Babylonian captivity. So we're talking about four or five hundred years of history. He chronicles that history in 2 Chronicles, focusing on the kings of Judah, because after the time of Solomon, Israel became two nations. Judah was a nation in the south with just a few tribes, And there were 10 tribes in the north called Israel. Israel had become largely corrupt and idolatrous. They uh, even warred against their their fellow countrymen, Judah. And so Judah was often standing alone and uh, in the crosshairs of foreign armies and even their own countrymen. And the kings of Judah had to really rely upon the Lord. They had to lean into the Lord for bigger trials and bigger challenges than most of us will ever see. To set a little bit of the backdrop, I want to take you back to 2 Chronicles 16 and show you Jehoshaphat's father. His name is Asa. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7. It says, At that time, sixteen seven, Hanani the seer, or the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians, this is something that happened a little bit earlier, and the Lubim, an immense army with their very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. There was a time of peace. God had given him peace on every side, but because he had relied on a foreign alliance instead of relying on God as he had done in the past, God said, now you're going to have war. You had peace, but now you're going to have war. See, look at verse 9. This is very important for all of us to understand The eyes of our God, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support you. The one thing that he asks of you, middle of nine, is that your heart is what? Is completely his. He will strongly support you if you give him your heart. That's what he wants. You will have the full support of God if he has your full heart. The response of Asa. Then Asa was angry with the prophet. See, sometimes we get angry with the wrong person. We get a message from the Lord through his word or through a a prophet or through a pastor and we can get angry at the wrong one. We can get angry at the messenger. And he put him in prison for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Now, Jehoshaphat, in 17.1, becomes the king in his dad's place. And I want you to keep that in mind as you flip over to 2 Chronicles 20. There's a, a time of peace. A couple of wars do break out. But here's what it says. It says, uh, now it came about, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1, after this, that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, their uh, generations from Lot, together with some of the Meunites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's name means Yahweh has judged or Jehovah judged. The word judge in Hebrew has a couple different meanings. It can mean a judge uh, giving a sentence, if you will, like a judge in a courtroom, but it all, also can mean a defender and a protector, like the book of judges, like Samson and others who defended the nation before there was ever uh, a group of kings in the nation. And all of a sudden, it came about after this that war came. They came to make war against Jehoshaphat. War is not something that hopefully we want, but war is just a reality of this world. I'm sure you've noticed. What you do with the war is really what matters. We all want peace, but peace is not going to really come until the Prince of Peace reigns in Jerusalem. Amen? Amen. So we have to deal with wars, skirmishes, battles, big ones and little ones. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do in the times of war, in the times of difficulty? How are we going to respond? Jehoshaphat didn't want war, but war came. They came to make war against him. There was a whole multitude. Uh, some came and reported, verse 2, to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you. This is against your nation, but it's personal. It's against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram. And behold, they are at Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. They would come up the route from the Dead Sea in the south and come to try to attack Jehoshaphat. When you're a leader of a nation like this and you hear that war is coming, you have to be afraid. You have to be scared, not only for yourself personally, but for your nation for the ones that you're responsible for. If you're a mom or a dad and, you know, there's troubled times, a grandma or a grandpa, great-grandma, great-grandpa, and there's trouble in the family, you feel a personal responsibility. You feel a, a, a passion to protect and make sure everybody's okay. And so Jehoshaphat was in that situation and he also knew that they would target the king. They would try to kill you as the king to take you out and dishearten your nation. Jehoshaphat's response, verse 3, is very normal. He was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now this is the crucial time for anybody when you're facing a war, is what are you going to do? What's your first response? When the kings made mistakes in the past, and you can read this as you go through these books and read about the different kings, when they didn't rely upon God then God would remove his protection. He would say, if you don't want to rely upon me, if you want to rely upon your own resources, then go for it. And God would let them fight their own battles. But when the leader decided that he was going to lean into God, that he was going to lead the nation to dependence upon God, God would show up in a very big way. It didn't mean that fear wasn't there. It was. But Jehoshaphat, when he was afraid, Turned his attention to seek the Lord. And when you and I are afraid, that's what we need to do. Fear is a normal thing that all of us deal with. None of us want troubled times. We all like peace on every side. Amen? We'd like to have it calm and peaceful in our families. Calm and peaceful at work. Calm and peaceful with fellow freeway drivers. <laughs> But it just doesn't always work out that way. And in those times of tenseness, in those times of not knowing what to do, the question is, who will you lean into? Will you lean on your own resources? Will you respond in your flesh? Will you make unholy alliances to try to survive, as it were? Or will you turn your attention to seek the Lord? Not only did Jehoshaphat do this as the leader of the nation He turned his attention to seek the Lord, but he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Some of you just this last week participated in a fast that we did. We asked you to fast and pray for our city. We asked you to fast and pray over a city council meeting that got very heated. And name calling was flying back and forth. And there were multiple multiple pastors that were there at that city council meeting. And we appreciate you praying and fasting because we believe that our city needs a strong spiritual presence. We need to stand and make sure that our voice is being heard for the glory of God. And so Jehoshaphat calls a fast. And when you're fasting, you know what happens You have to push down the flesh. You have to deny the normal things that you do every day, like eat your oatmeal in the morning or have a banana or whatever you do. And all of a sudden your stomach begins to go, what's going on up there?
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app.
0: Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Not only did Jehoshaphat do this as the leader of the nation, he turned his attention to seek the Lord, but he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Some of you just this last week participated in a fast that we did. We asked you to fast and pray for our city. We asked you to fast and pray over a city council meeting that got very heated. And name calling was flying back and forth. And there were multiple pastors that were there at that city council meeting. And we appreciate you praying and fasting because we believe that our city needs a strong spiritual presence. We need to stand and make sure that our voice is being heard for the glory of God. And so Jehoshaphat calls a fast. And when you're fasting, you know what happens. You have to push down the flesh. You have to deny the normal things that you do every day, like eat your oatmeal in the morning or have a banana or whatever you do. And all of a sudden, your stomach begins to go, what's going on up there? Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. And you have to say, quiet! (laughs) You're not being fed right now. (laughs) And when you feel the gurgles, you turn them into prayer. And you say, Lord, I'm denying the flesh because I am seeking You. I want to know You. I want to know Your power. I want to know the power of Your resurrection in my life. And so... Judah gathered, verse 4, together to seek help from the Lord. And they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. The nation followed suit. Notice they, verse 4, sought the help of God. They even came from all the cities to the temple to seek the Lord together. You see, when we have a battle, we know that we can rely upon the one who says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our help in time of need. Hebrews 4:13 through 16 says there's no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to him, to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. I'm finding out more and more that I'm a very needy person. How about you? I need him every hour, every moment of my life. Not, Not just every hour, but every second and every microsecond. I need his strength, I need his perspective. And so the nation came to seek the Lord, to seek His help. And you can do the same in your own Christian walk. He's an ever-present help in time of need. All you have to do is go to Him. And maybe that's the biggest battle of all, to set aside time to actually seek Him. But that's what He wants. And then Jehoshaphat stood up, stood in the assembly of Judah, verse 5, and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord, that's the temple, before the new court, All of that story is told early in this book as Solomon consecrates the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, art thou not God in the heavens? And art thou thou not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in thy hand so that no one can stand against thee. If God is for us, who can be against us? Sometimes we just need to quote scripture for us. God does not need to be reminded about His Word. Oh, that, I, that's a Bible verse they're quoting right now. Gabriel, Michael? No. God already knows His Word. <laughs> but we need to quote His Word because it strengthens us. You see, if God is for us, who can be against us? God did not even spare His own Son. So we go down in Romans 8, and we see in verse 37, and all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. I am convinced, says Paul, that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, nor things present, nor things come, nor power, powers, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? He says to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It won't be your might, it won't be your power, it will be my spirit. Just invite me in and let me do the work. And so as the leader of the nation, he says, power and might are in your hand. No one can stand against you. You are all powerful in times of war. Fear can be a healthy thing. For us, spiritually speaking, because they force us to seek God. They force us to get serious with God again. They call upon us to lean into Him. When you don't need God in your natural, everyday life, you can just go on business as usual. But times of war, times of difficulty, times of challenge force you back to God, and that can be a healthy thing. It's not always a comfortable thing. I completely acknowledge that but it's a healthy thing for you spiritually. I want to take you to 2 Chronicles 7, a little bit back in the book, and show you when they're uh, dedicating the temple where the people had come to pray. This is 2 Chronicles 7. Let's look at verse 7. 2 Chronicles 7, 7. Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered the burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the, uh, the bronze altar which Solomon has, had made was not able to contain the burnt offering, the grain offering and the fat. So Solomon observed the feast at the time for seven days and all Israel with him, a very great assembly who came from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. On the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, verse 9, for the dedication of the altar they observed seven days and the feast seven days. Then on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent to the people, he sent the people to their tents, rejoicing and happy of heart because of the goodness that the Lord had shown to David and to Solomon and to his people Israel. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night, verse 12, and said to him, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As they dedicated the temple, they were reminded, if you go back to 2 Chronicles 20, that God is faithful. But God does respond to prayer. God does move when we pray. God does ask us to invoke his name, to call upon him so that he might enter into the battle. If you want to do it alone, he'll say, have at it. Lots of luck.
0: You're listening to The Battle Is Not Yours, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Chronicles, Chapter 20. I'd like to remind you that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Some of our church family and listeners like you have committed to helping this ministry remain on the radio and podcast. Hey, we know times are uncertain right now, and they can be a little scary, so we're not asking for much. Whatever you could give would be a huge help. Our broadcast covers more than 150 cities in five states, and our podcast reaches people around the world. What a blessing. Hey, imagine if everyone listening right now who's never given before just gave today. Would you please consider donating $5 today? That's it. No more. Just $5. If you can do that, visit walkintruth.com and click on the Donate button. That's walkintruth.com and click Donate. Thanks so much for sharing our vision and believing in this ministry. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, as we've done a couple of teachings in Psalm 46, Psalm 91, and now looking at Second Chronicles 20, there's a theme in these messages, and the theme is about trusting God and trusting God in big storms. And, you know, we're in the midst of a storm as a world, as a country, as a church, and uh, trusting God means that we walk by faith, not by sight, that we are obviously wise about how we live, but ultimately we're looking to God. Uh, We're placing our full trust in Him, which is supposed to be what the Christian life's all about anyway. Anyway. And and of course, the best times to trust in God are the times of uncertainty. We don't like them. Let's be honest. We can struggle with it, but it's a time when our faith is tested and perfected and stretched, and those are all really good things. Hey, speaking of just you know getting your your faith boosted and and strengthened and perfected, I want to remind you to subscribe and listen to our podcast. Uh, we have really hundreds and hundreds of people listening week in and week out, and we're excited about the impact that that podcast is making, and we invite you to listen to the podcast. Well, since our series was so rudely interrupted by this pandemic, <laughs> you can listen to the entire 1 Corinthians uh, series on podcast. Any of your uh, your carriers like uh, Spotify uh, would be a great place to go, Stitcher, and tune into the Walk and Truth podcast. We have Really, hundreds of people listening week in and week out. It's a great blessing. And you can also access some of our teaching and other books, like the Book of Revelation, for example, and catch up on that. This is a great time to be spending more time in your Bible. If you have extra time, uh, man, redeem it for the Lord. I want to invite you also to listen on our Living Truth app. Now, you can download the app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, And you can catch up on everything we're doing as a fellowship, get the messages there as well. We invite you to be part of that. Do it today. God bless you. Hey, and something else, if you get a chance to give, if you're being blessed by this ministry and you can partner with us, you know, uh, just like a lot of churches right now, our giving is a bit down because I think everybody's scrambling and, you know, uh, there's all this stuff going on. But Please remember, we still have our radio bills. We still have things that we're trying to accomplish and ministering to you. So if you can give, you can give at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll catch you tomorrow.
0: Come back tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's encouraging message in Second Chronicles chapter 20 called, The Battle Is Not Yours. I'm Mike Masaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to reach out with God's truth to encourage Teach and bless you during the time of hardship.